0: and welcome to the AI Today podcast.
1: I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Daryl Malone, who is the executive director of the Tubman Project. Hi, Daryl. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah. Hi, Daryl. Thanks for joining us. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to start the Tubman Project and the problem that it's solving.
2: Sure. So I'm a serial entrepreneur have been working around the tech industry and things like that for a number of years. My main skill is as a software engineer. And so around 2015, I kind of became much more concerned about a lot of the things that are going on in the criminal justice system. Obviously, it's been a problem for a while and there were a lot of things that had come out. There was a documentary 13. Michelle Alexander had a book called The New Jim Crow, basically talking about how destructive the existing criminal justice system is. And so once it became clear to me that Donald Trump was going to be our president, that kind of kicked it up another notch in terms of urgency. So I started thinking about what sorts of things that I could do to alleviate these types of problems. And it's something that I've definitely come across in the past in terms of being profiled and in terms of dealing with those kinds of issues. And so I thought that I had a unique position being that I have so much freedom in terms of my time, that I have a skill set that is useful for solving the problem. So I decided it was something that I could do to create this project and help to get it off the ground.
1: Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the Tubman project and the problem you're specifically aiming to solve and a little bit more details about that.
2: Right. So the Tubman project is about building an artificial intelligence public defender. Or really what that means is a suite of tools that are AI enabled to help public defenders be more efficient. One of the big problems in the criminal justice system is that we have a lot of funding that goes into police offices, ton of funding. You can almost find any city and that'll be one of their biggest expenses. One of the ones that like the military on a national sense is kind of No cost is too high in terms of what they'll spend. A lot of money goes into prosecution. And then you have a tiny bit of funding that will go into public defenders. So, what ends up happening is we have a very much one sided system. And all of that is compounded by the fact that our prison system in a lot of places is for profit. So, now you have people that have a profit motive for taking away the freedom of other members of their country. So, the end result of all that is that we end up having. As the United States, with about 3% of the world's population, we have 25% of the world's prisoners. So that's one in every four people who is incarcerated in jail or what have you is in the United States. So that's, to me, a huge problem and something that definitely worth solving. We're hoping that our tools will be able to make public defenders who are generally tasked at more than 20 times the number of cases that they can really handle and try to bump up their efficiency so that they can start tackling a lot of that and make the justice system a lot more even. People can actually get trials and actually get a real defense.
1: Yeah. So I think you know maybe for those who are listening, especially since we have a fairly international audience, which is great. We love all of our listeners. They may not necessarily be familiar with the public defender system and maybe not even familiar with some of the problems of the public defender system. And of course, to sort of lead into it, how artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to help address and solve some of these challenges with the public defender system.
2: Right. So in the United States, part of our rights that are guaranteed is the right to defense in court. So there's a saying One of the famous things, if you watch any of the cop shows on TV, the Dick Wolf stuff and things like that, you'll see they have the Miranda rights. And one of the lines is there is, if you do not have a lawyer, one will be appointed for you. Right, So that's the promise that effectively sets up the public defender system. The system of sometimes private lawyers, sometimes lawyers that are hired by the state itself that are assigned to help people who find themselves charged with any kind of criminal offense. So these are effectively the first line of what protects a citizen's rights. You know, the idea that you can't just be accused and then presumed as guilty and then just thrown in jail and never heard from again. And maybe that's for political reasons. Maybe that's for, you know, what have you. In the United States, with our kind of the political situation that's going on in a lot of really a lot of the West where you have authoritarianism on the rise, that's definitely a big danger because one of the ways that authoritarians kind of take care of their enemies, whether that's political, economic or otherwise, is to jail them, right? Use the power of the state to take those people out of play. A lot of times that's by trumping up charges against them, finding some way that they can get this person tied up in the criminal justice system. In the United States, we have a special situation in that we were a slave holding country for a long time. So we had a massive labor force of people that were basically forced labor. And what happened after the Emancipation Proclamation is that the amendment left a hole that said no slavery is allowed unless it is for as a punishment for a crime. So what ended up happening is you had a lot of new laws that were written basically to target the newly freed black population and throw them back into jail for little whatever really they could find to put people in jail for. And since a lot of these people had no understanding of the law and, you know, really no training or anything like that, a lot of people ended up getting swept up. So you saw a situation like, for example, in Louisiana, a lot of the positions in the government that were previously done by slaves are now done by prisoners to this day, you know, so it became a continuation of that system. But even without that sort of conceit, there's still just the... For example, if you look at Turkey, the situation they had there where they started jailing a lot of Erdogan's enemies and things like that. So it's a serious problem all over the world so this is the way that I'm hoping to solve it in my little corner, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I find all this really interesting and I think that it's not always brought to the forefront. So people don't always know about it, especially if they don't have firsthand experience with, you know, either a family member or them themselves having gone through this process. A lot of people are just ignorant to it because they don't even know that this exists. And so I think there's been, you know, documentaries, projects like yours that have been really shedding light and bringing this to the general public. So I think that's great. But I'd like to dive a little bit more into this idea of an AI-enabled public defender. It's, I don't think that this is you know, unknown to a lot of people that they have a huge caseload that they just cannot do on their own. And a lot of people plea out because of this, even if they didn't do the crime, just because you know, they can't miss work and the public defender doesn't have enough time to really do all the research and digging into the case. So I want to know about, you know, ways that you at the Tubman Project are using AI to help these public defenders and to help the accused.
2: Sure. So naturally, law is one of the toughest things to really tackle with AI, right? Because it's so heavily dependent on context. It's not a situation where you can just throw a ton of data at a situation and come out with an answer because the data all has to be taken into consideration of what are the local laws, you know, who's the judge that's actually going to be presiding over this, who are the attorneys that are dealing with this case. So there are so many places that require a level of context that kind of goes beyond what AI can do now, right? So what our focus is for the Tubman project is trying to find those tasks that are simple enough and repetitive enough that an AI can really be useful. there are a lot of things around paperwork where artificial intelligence is useful, natural language processing, for processing forms and things along those lines. So that's obviously one big area where we're looking. Another place is there have been a lot of laws that have been passed recently around body cams and things like that. And so a lot of that video is now being proliferated. And what we've seen is that there are a lot of public defenders that are actually fighting against this because it actually ends up on their desk right? So even for a misdemeanor, now they've got hours and hours and hours of footage that they need to sift through. So that again, becomes an area where if you have a machine learning tool that can kind of go through this video and try to mark areas of interest, it can really speed up the process for them and enable them to do a better job for their clients without having to have a whole lot of time come out or hire a massive staff like a massive law firm would do, right? So really, it's trying to even the playing field of finding ways that we can use artificial intelligence to take some of the more repetitive work off of the hands of the public defender and kind of assist them in tackling that massive workload so they can actually present a decent defense and they don't have to do as much triage when it comes to their clients.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is really interesting. So so if you go to the the Tubman Project site at the uh, pretty easy to guess tubmanproject.com domain, you list a couple of interesting modules there that I think are some of them you just talked about, the case data aggregator, but it'd be nice to talk a little about some of these in-depth. Especially, I'm really curious about the legal chatbot and some things like the arraignment survey tool. It would be possible for you of like, talk about some of these different things. And I know that they're not all part of the project now. Some of these are future, but it would be good to sort of kind of go over these. I think folks who are listening to this may be really interested in sort of like the scope of how machine learning is being applied to some of these problems.
2: Right. So I guess... The way that we generally function is it's an open source project. So the way we've been building things is through hackathons. So what we'll do is we'll go to a city, we'll host a program there, And either we'll have an open call where we'll do a series of meetings where we kind of generate ideas and things that can be built to help in different areas. And then we'll have people kind of congeal around whatever project happens to interest them. Or we'll have kind of some set goals of where we know that we have a need to get something done and we'll do a call for development help, sometimes with prize money attached to kind of get that done. So that's generally the way we approach these. A lot of that is done through the GitHub interface or DevPost or whatever we happen to be using to track these projects. And so most of the work is done there. In terms of what's furthest along, the main thing that I've been focused on this past year is the data aggregator, right? Obviously, any type of AI tool, you want to be able to have some sort of data that you can use to test the efficacy of that project. And what actually ended up happening is we found that there were a lot of people out across the country that are working on similar things. So a lot of what we've been doing is taking these projects, like you said, the data aggregator, brief filer and things like that, and first making sure that there's a real need My background is not in law, you know, I'm a computer programmer. So a lot of my work is figuring out what the situation really requires, talking to public defenders and other people who work within the criminal justice system to find where those holes are, and then reaching out to people in the community who are working on different areas and kind of connecting things together. Because what ends up happening is that A lot of different initiatives will get siloed, right? And you'll have people that are working really hard on one issue that could definitely help someone over here, but they just don't know each other, right? So that's another big part of the work is trying to find these projects that already exist and doing that. So, for example, for the case data aggregator, we've been partnering with Measures for Justice, which is actually an organization that is looking to collect criminal justice data for the purposes of not necessarily ranking, but knowing how effective different parts of the country are in terms of their criminal defense and kind of tracking that on a national scale. So naturally, that works right along with what we're doing. So we've been working together on getting that data out and providing some standards for that so there's interoperability. So things have really evolved over time. And so most of these projects are on GitHub or we're pulling in from other existing work that's out there.
0: Right. So I know that this is an open source project, as you said, and that the code is on GitHub. So we'll definitely link to this project in the show notes so that people can see it. But how can people get involved with this project? And I know that you have an upcoming hackathon as well. So maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about that as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. So we have a hackathon that's coming up in Boston on November 17th and 18th, where we're going to be at Suffolk Law School, working on a number of projects there. Obviously, those are really the best ways to get involved because we have a big collection of people that are there that are actively working on the project that's going to be the most recent one. And then I believe we have another one in Boston that's going to be happening around Clinovation, which is April of next year. So that'll be probably a much bigger event and more of an open call style where we'll have anybody able to present whatever project they want and recruit people to help them get it done. Uh So those are the two biggest ones that are coming up. But of course, if there's anything that you feel is Would be helpful. Anything that you want to work on can always reach out to me. You can find me on the Tubman Project website. You'll be able to find ways to message us, email us, and we're always happy to have people help us out. Doesn't necessarily need to be software development either, right? There are a lot of tasks that if you're a lawyer or a law student, we could use your help with. If you're a designer, we could use your help. You know, UI, UX things are always very important. So regardless of what your skill set is, we will be open to hearing from you. And having you help us out with the project
1: Yeah and, you know we also speak with a lot of technology vendors so, you know for those of you that are familiar with Cognitica, listening to this podcast you know not only obviously do we spend a lot of time on this podcast interviewing great end users and people who are doing great things with technology and implementing AI like Daryl and others that we've talked to but we spend a lot of time talking to technology vendors as well. I think we track somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 vendors that are specifically doing stuff in AI. You know, have AI, machine learning platforms, and pro and technologies. And you know, maybe some of those listeners who are listening here are looking for additional use cases for their technology. Might be interested in either contributing staff or some technology. I know that, that you know one of the things that the law industry is really good at is generating a lot of paper (laughs) and a lot of documentation, a lot of so-called unstructured information, which AI machine learning just happens to be pretty good at processing. So you know, I encourage those who are listening to this podcast who may be on the technology side to possibly get involved. There's a lot of other great people that are involved and organizations involved. So I think that could be an opportunity as well. So just check out the website for more information on that. So I guess just a final note, we always ask this to our podcaster participants and our interviewees, you know, where do you think the future of AI is heading in general? And, you know, maybe it's application to law and beyond.
2: Yeah. So in terms of its application to law, uh, I've been really following a lot of the stuff that's happening around AGI or uh, general intelligence and the ability to kind of bring AI that's more data efficient and more able to sense and understand the human context of situations, because I think that that's really going to be very important and hoping that that's going to be cracked very soon. But in terms of where do I see it going in the future, that's really up in the air. AI is a very powerful technology, like as we all know. So there's dangers inherent in with that. Obviously, there's a lot of military activity, there's a lot of kind of state versus state competition that's happening around AI that could have some dangerous implications. But then there's also the fact that the civilian really studiers of AI are very much interested in the peaceful applications of it. So I've been following a lot of, there's a guy, Max Tegmark's work in trying to make sure that AI is used for peaceful purposes. And I'm definitely a proponent of the benefit that it can have for people. In fact, one of the reasons that I wanted to make this project open source is to increase the kind of general access to artificial intelligence tools, one of my fears is that if it becomes something that's only held by the Facebooks and Googles of the world, and really everyday people don't have the ability to access it, then that becomes a serious problem for society as a whole. You know, so one of the things that I think that is the best thing that can happen is for the tools to be more open and more available to people.
1: That sounds great. Well, that's part of the reason why I think we love talking to folks like you is to help give people more idea of all the different ways that which AI machine learning is being applied to all sorts of different domains. And we continue to be impressed and surprised at all the different applications, I would say, you know, 98% of which that we've been interviewing with are all different peaceful applications in different industries uh, for many different problems, everything from diagnosing medical situa- industry-related issues to, you know, manufacturing, to mining, to, you know, autonomous Aircraft. So there's lots of uh, really cool applications of AI and machine learning. That's part of the reason why we have this AI Today podcast. So I really wanted to thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate you participating and sharing your insight and knowledge.
2: Absolutely. Thank you again. And looking forward to becoming a listener again.
0: Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Daryl. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes.
1: Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor.